Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We started the church in the 90s, in 96 is when we started the Ark, and we had a, um, a youth group in the late 90s that went down to uh, Mexico and did a missions trip in, in Mexico. This was kind of before everything got a little rough to take a youth group across the border. And so my daughter, Christina, was going with this group. Matt, were you on that? Were you on that one? You were not there. Uh, Christina was going. She's seventh grade. And they visited an orphanage down in Mexico, and they asked that everyone ask all the girls to wear long skirts. They didn't wear no shorts, no short skirts. And so Christina's in a long skirt. She's there, and she's playing with these kids, and she had a little girl who was riding on her back. And she was giving her a ride around, and they were just playing, having a great time. And Christina said she had that long skirt on. She tripped over that long skirt. And as she was falling, she said, you ever feel like you're falling in slow motion? Yes. She said she, just, she knew she had a choice. She said, I could, I could either put my hands out and break the fall, she said, but if I do that, there's a good chance that this little girl is going over my head and she's going to fall. So she reached back with both hands and held the little girl and took that fall right on the chin. And uh, we, heard, we heard back that a child had fell and, and busted their chin and they weren't near any kind of, of, of good hospital there. They were out in the villages. And so she, boy, she split her chin, but good. And we didn't know who it was, so she got off the bus. We're like, oh, great, it's our child. <laughs> and uh, it, it left a scar. She still has, it's small. Uh, Joy, Joy calls it her love scar because she made a choice to care for the child that was on her back and at the expense of her own. I mean, she, it was concrete floor. She said she hit it face first. But uh, it's interesting. Christina actually is outstanding working with children. She's a, she's a CODA, Certified Occupational Therapy Assistant. Her, her success rate working with kids is off the charts high. She's gifted with them, but part of that gifting is she really cares about these kids. And so she's able to help them, able to make a difference. We've been doing a series called What Kind of God? What kind of God do you serve? Because what kind of God, how you see him, how you respond to him, how, how you view him, is going to make a huge difference in your life in terms of how you, how you uh, relate to him, your relationship with him. And so what kind of God this morning I want to talk about the God who cares. To care, just from just pure dictionary terms, or is to have concern or interest in. You have a concern for someone. Someone cares for you. To have a concern for you, they have an interest in you. Care, when, when care is present, it really becomes... The, the, a confidence in any kind of relationship. Relationships do best with a trust relationship. And if someone cares, if you know they care for you, there's a trust level there. And it's a confidence there. Christina was, uh, she said she was ice skating one day at the, um, down the Galleria. She said and there was a couple that she knew that was skating in front of her. And uh, the, the guy could skate, the girl couldn't skate that well. And she kept trying to re reaching out for her husband to hold her, and uh, he was kind of pulling away. 
and she was really starting to fall and she reached out and he jerked back and she, man, she busted it. And he kept going and never stopped. When Christina told that story to Joy, Joy said immediately right there and Joy went, uh-oh, uh-oh. And it didn't bode well for the future. When there's care, there's confidence. And when you know someone cares for you, that gives confidence in the relationship. When there's uh, a care, then people get the benefit of the doubt. People, you know, you know I, sometimes I'm amazed when people are, are maybe new and they don't know us. If they don't think we care, two people can approach me with the same problem and one person is accusing. I can't believe you people did this. I, you know, I cannot believe this. Where someone else comes with, with the same problem and will look at us and go, I know you guys didn't mean this, but this is what happened. You know, the, the, the big difference. Well, one believes that we care. Another one does not believe that we care. A, a number of years ago, I used the word thugly in a, a message. Thugly, T-H-U-G-L-Y. And a lady wrote me a really sweet note. She says, I know Pastor Allen does not know what word he's talking about, but, and she used the word she thought I said the word that begins with F. And she said, I know Pastor Allen wouldn't ever do that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Basically, it's like, bless his heart. Um, <laughs> but how she handled it was she believed the best about me. So the next Sunday, I put the word up on the screen, thugly, T-H-U-G, uh, someone who was thug-like, not the other one. But... But the fact that I got the benefit of the doubt there, she believed I cared. The idea that care says that I, I can't keep you from ever going through problems, but I'm going to be there with you. Now, let me just give a, a real quick parenting tip. In the 50s, I was a, a child. My parents were born in the 30s. And so I, my childhood years, I was born in 59, my childhood years, 60s, uh, 70s. But in the 50s, a doctor by the name of Dr. Benjamin Spock wrote a book that kind of revolutionized parenting for boomers and, uh, or, or boomers' parents. And the, the book was on that you didn't spank your kids. My parents never read that book, ever. <laughs> but there became a, a shift in, in parenting. And I, I, I can tell you, I, I grew up, if there was a problem at school, my parents always assumed it was my fault. Not, anybody remember those days? That if you got in trouble at school, you didn't go home and talk about it. I mean, if, if, if I, got, I got paddled one time, I didn't say a word to my parents. How was school? It was great. <laughs> great day. It was awesome. Why? Because I'd have gotten another spanking. <laughs> but, but the idea is this. So somewhere, the boomers, we started the concept of what I call helicopter parents. You've heard that term. Helicopter parents, they hover over their kids. Uh, well, now there's a new term. It's called lawnmower parents. Lawnmower parents mow down every problem before their child ever gets to it. Now, here's the thing, parents. I, I just want to help you with this. You're never going to be able to stop your, your children from experiencing pain. But you can be there to help care for them when they do. So we want, a lot of times, you've got parents now, the teacher, you know, come home, the teacher doesn't like me. Well, we're going to get upset and mad at the teacher. Instead of saying, you know what, sweetheart, not everyone's going to like you in life. 
You're going to have to learn how to handle that. You say, well, Alan, that's not caring. No, caring is helping your child understanding that one day they're going to leave your home and they need to be able to handle life. And in life, not everything is going to happen. Say, well, I, I just want to keep my kids. And I understand. We want to keep our kids from experiencing pain because a lot of times it brings back pain in our own lives. And we remember how that is. We like, I never want them to be rejected. I never want them to be hurt. You can't stop it. But you can help them walk through it because you care. You know, what about God? Do we have a God that cares? And when you, when, when you begin to believe that God cares for you, it, it really starts to change things. You can't look at what's going on around you and determine whether or not God cares or not. That's not how you do it. In fact, the disciples and Martha, both out of fear and frustration, both of them blamed Jesus for not caring. Remember the disciples were on the boat, a storm comes on the boat, Jesus is sleeping. They're like, what is he doing? He's sleeping and we're, we're about to die. They woke him up and they went, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die here? You've been sleeping. And, and they, they accused him of not caring. Martha had Jesus in her home. She's preparing this meal. Her sister Mary is listening to Jesus teach. Mary won't help her. And Martha finally just butts in and interrupts the Lord and goes, Lord, don't you care? And so the idea of we can get frustrated or fearful and think God doesn't care. But, but care, believing that God cares is a faith thing. It's a faith proposition. 1 Corinthians I'm sorry, that would be Peter. First Peter. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care. That you, we have the ability to take all the things that concern us and give it to him because he cares for us. And if you believe he cares for you, it's a lot easier to cast those cares on him. He cares for us, we can throw our cares back to him. He cares. And so having a God that cares makes all the difference. Joy's biological father left when she was two weeks old and she grew up in a single parent home for seven years. Her mom remarried a wonderful guy's name was Dale. Dale was a dead ringer for John Wayne. He actually would be stopped sometimes in airports and people would ask him for his autograph. He looked like John Wayne and he was a Miami police cop. He was a Miami vice cop is what he was. And no, not that kind of Miami, no. He, he wore regular clothes. He was not Don Johnson, but he was, a, he was a Miami Vice cop. Big, tough guy, tender heart. And Joy was so thrilled to have a father in the home. And, uh, oh, she, she just bothered him all the time. She sat with him. She was with him. You know, he's waking up in the morning, and she's pulling his eyes open to see if he was awake. She just loved having him. And she's out one day riding her bicycle, and he comes out, puts a folding chair in the middle of the driveway, and just sits down. She said, what are you doing? He says, I'm watching you. She'd never had anybody watch her before. She'd never had anyone who was that interested. Everyone was busy in her life, but her, her new father was watching her. Oh, she was so excited. It gave her just such a confidence. She decided to do tricks on her bike. <laughs> one hand off, one hand back on. One hand off and a foot off, one hand back on. Two hands and two feet off. Bam, she wrecked the bike. 
She said, but he ran over there and picked her up. What, what was the difference? The difference was she felt such a confidence knowing that she had a father that cared. Listen, when you know God cares about you, it gives you a confidence that you are not alone, that he is watching, that he is taking care, that you got somebody who cares. Jesus showed care one time he was tired. He and his disciples were tired. So they went to a deserted place, kind of like a little retreat. They were going to get away. But a whole multitude showed up. They knew where he was going. They ran ahead. When he shows up, there's thousands of people there. Let's we'll see how he handled it. Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. Already the hour is late. Send them away. That they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he, Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks and hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave to his disciples to set before them and the two fish. He divided them among them all. And they ate and were filled. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Jesus came out. He's tired, but he sees a multitude and he has compassion on them. He cared about them. He said they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. And so he, he taught them many things, began to teach them. His compassion said, I, I want you to learn some things. I want, you, I want you to grow in some areas. So he began to teach them many things. But he didn't stop there. At the end of the day, it was, it was getting late, and the disciples came and said, you know, it's late. These, these people need to, get, they need to get home. They need to go buy some food. No one's eating. Every, everybody's hungry. And Jesus decided to feed them. Now, he didn't want them to leave hungry. First, he, he took care of them spiritually, but then he didn't want them to go away hungry. And so you see that, that to someone who cared, even though that seemed like a small thing, okay, they're, they're hungry, they're going to be okay. It seemed like a small thing, but to someone who cared, it was not a small thing. And he wanted them fed. And so the, now the disciples are like, you give them something. And, and they're looking in the treasury. They got 200 denarii in the treasury. They're like, if we spend everything, 200 denarii, is that going to be enough? Everyone's going to get just a little bit, not going to be able to do this. And so Jesus asked him, said, what do you have? You know, so he didn't ask him what they didn't have. He said, what do you have? And, and they, they went and looked. They finally figured out, okay, we got, we got five loaves and two fish. Now think about this, guys. No one has eaten all day. There's not much food. No one has food except they've got five loaves and two fish. Well, there's 12, there's 12 disciples and Jesus. They're thinking, boy, this is all the food we've got. And Jesus said, you need to give that to me. They could have said, no, wait, whoa, Jesus. We give you that, man, we're going to go hungry. We're not going to have enough to eat. But they trusted him. And they trusted that he cared. And so they took what they had and they put it in his hands. And when they put it in his hands, he was able to do something with it. And boy, did he do something with it. He blessed it and he broke it. He made everyone sit down in, in 50s and 100s so they could make sure that everyone was taken care of. And he began to break it and they began to pass it out. And everyone ate. Now, you know those people hadn't eaten all day. These, these people are hungry. Not just hungry, they're hungry. And now they're eating bread and fish 
and they're eating it, you know they're eating big. And you know some of those mamas are tucking some away in their purse <laughs> because I got to feed Junior and that boy is always hungry. And we're taking some for when we get home. People probably putting food in their pockets and they're carrying food out. And they still took up 12 baskets full of fragments which took care of the disciples' next meal. You see, the five loaves and two fishes was not going to be enough really to take care of them. But when they gave them to Jesus, then the thousands got blessed and they had their next meal. And they had fragments they could take with them because they had someone who cared. There was a trust thing going. When you have a God who cares, when you understand that God cares about you, then you understand this. He is interested in your spiritual needs and your material needs. Spiritual, listen, God did not get interested with you the moment you walked through these doors. Like, okay, God's interested in my church life, my spiritual life. And then you walk out the doors and he's no longer interested. Back in the real world. No, it doesn't work that way. God is interested in your life, period. In fact, when some people gave to Paul's ministry in Philippians, he wrote them and said, he was thanking them. And he said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't it good to know that God is not just interested in our spiritual needs, he is interested in our material needs as well because we still need material things to handle in this natural world. But he also has an interest in spiritual things. Now, this is something interesting. When Jesus said he saw the crowd, he said they were like, they were, they were weary, uh, they were like weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Actually, Matthew says weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. It means dispirited and distressed. It means harassed. I was thinking, well, you know, we talk a lot today about mental health. Mental health has been a problem ever since humanity has been on the earth. And Jesus saw these hurting people. They were distressed. They were harassed. And he taught them many things. His care for them taught them. You say, well, what did he teach them? I mean, I would have loved to have known what Jesus was taught. Well, actually, we have the Bible records some of the very things Jesus taught them. And he taught them about the kingdom of God. And he began to tell them, you don't have to be worried and distressed. You don't have to be harassed. You've got a God that cares about you. You've got a God that knows that two sparrows are sold for a penny and not one of them can fall on the ground without your heavenly father knowing about it. He said, and you're a lot more valuable than many sparrows. He said, you've got a God that knows how many hairs you've got on your head. You've got a God where if you would just ask him, you would receive. You've got a God that you know how to give good gifts to your children. You've got a heavenly father who will give. He's even better than you are. And if you give good gifts, how much more is he willing to give good gifts? Jesus is telling these people, you don't have to be worried and distressed and mentally upset. You've got a heavenly kingdom that will can provide for you every one of your needs. If you'll seek the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. That's good news. And it was his compassion that taught that. I was thinking today, God's compassion has given us his word. God's compassion has given us the Holy Spirit. God's compassion has given us ministries that can help us and teach us. This church exists because God cares. This church is here because God cares about this area. This church does not exist because I decided to do a career change. This church exists because God cares about people. And because he cares about people, that's why we're here. And our message to this community is not that we're angry and you're going to hell. The message is you don't have to go and God is good and he cares for you. 
That's why we open these doors. And if people come in of all walks of life. There's another thing that we see when you have a God that cares, then it, it, he will work with what you give him. God will work with what you give him. Now I want you to listen to me on this one because as soon as you begin to talk about giving, everyone tightens up. We've never pressured anyone to give and I, I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why. Because you're, you're not, you're, we're not going to pressure you to give because giving is something we give free will. But a lot of times people don't give because wrong conception. If I give it, it's gone. In Galatians, when, when Paul was writing the church, he said, don't be deceived. He said, God's not mocked. So whatever a man sows, Galatians 5, 7, that will he also reap. When those disciples gave those five loaves and two fish, really what they did was they planted a seed and Jesus was able to take it and multiply. He will work with what you give him. But a lot of times we don't want to give him anything. With three kids and six grandkids, I, I, it, it, it's amusing sometimes to, to give them, especially when they're little, to give them toys. You know, some of the toys you give kids now, they've got that hard plastic, they encase them in hard plastic. It's like, like if you cut it the wrong way, it will like slice you. Do you know what I'm talking about? You need a blowtorch to get the plastic off. And have you ever given a toddler a toy and they, and they look at their toy to get a present and they can't get it open? And you go over to them and you say, darling, why don't you give me that? Let me help you. And they go, no! <laughs> it's mine! And, and, and you're thinking to yourself, I, I'm, I really don't want that doll. I want to help you. If you'll give me that, I'll help you. No! It's mine. And I thought, how offered are we that way with the Lord? We have things going on in our life and we're like, man, I need some answers. I, I need some things. And the Lord comes along and said, um, if you'll give me a little bit of your time, spend some time with me, uh, I, I can help you in this. And oftentimes our response is, no! It's my time. No! Lord, I, I need help. I need someone to help me. I, I, just, I just need help. I just feel so frazzled. I got no one to help me. The Lord says, okay, okay, here, here's an idea. Why don't, you, why don't you serve for me in my kingdom? And, and, and I can help you with that. No. I'm busy. And then here's the real kicker. Lord, I need some money. Lord, I need money. I need you to rain money down from heaven on me. I need money. Lord, I need some money. Give me some money. I need money. I need money. The Lord said, you need money? Okay, here's the deal. Why don't you take a little bit of that money and sow it as a seed? No! My money. The Lord's like, I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying to use your money. And I will take it and use it to bless others and help you. Does that make sense? So we think a lot of times the Lord's going to take, he's going to give me that money. I'm going to snatch that money up and I'll walk away. You'll never see it again. Give me that money. Give me some of your time. You need to give it. He is, remember, he's the God who cares for us. He's the God that's concerned about us. He'll take whatever you give him and he'll take it and he'll use it to bless you and help other people. 
That's how he works because he's a God who cares, not a God who steals, not a God who hurts, not a God who abuses, a God who cares. And if you'll trust him with it, he will help you in every single area. If you'll do that, just trust him. So here's the key question. What kind of God do you serve? You serve a God that says, oh, I know God just barely wants me to survive. I got one nostril above water. But we're making it one nostril, but there's a wave coming, but uh, we're half drowning, but the Lord just barely wants me to survive. Is that kind of, what kind of God you serve? Do you serve a God that just wants you taken care of? Lord, me and my family are good. <laughs> it's tough to be you, but we're all good. We're good. We're all good. So what kind of God you serve? Or do you serve a God who wants you taken care of and your family taken care of? And where you have an abundance where you can actually be a blessing to other people. Not just money, time, love, wisdom. Where God will give you an abundance. Where your family is strong enough where you're actually able to help other families. Where you can put into other people. Where you can share. Where you can do the things. Actually, he's, he's a God who's able to do a lot. In Ephesians, it says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all, we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. He's a big God. But not only is he a big, powerful God, he's a God that cares. And when you understand that he cares, it's a lot easier to trust him. In 1928, a young lady was born. Her name was Mary Ann Bird. Mary Ann Bird was born with a cleft palate, and the days before reparative surgery was, was readily available. And so as she got older and began to go to school, she began to listen to the taunts of her classmates as they laughed at her garbled speech and her misshapen teeth and her nose that was crooked and she was also deaf in one ear. And Marianne Bird was made fun of and laughed at. Little children would ask her sometimes, they'd say, hey Marianne, what happened to your lip? And she would tell them that she cut it on glass. She didn't want to tell them she was born that way. She felt like she'd reached a point that even by the second grade, she thought that nobody outside of her family could ever love her. And then she entered Miss Leonard's class. And Miss Leonard was a roly-poly, happy, loving woman and a loving teacher. Everyone loved Miss Leonard. Everyone wanted to be noticed by Miss Leonard. Everyone wanted to be Miss Leonard's pet. She was just that wonderful of a teacher. And Miss Leonard, every year, had to administer what they call the hearing test. And the hearing test is when a child would have to go to the front of the room and stand near Miss Leonard's desk and put their hand over one ear and Miss Leonard would whisper something and they would have to repeat it. And she whispered something like, the sky is blue, and they would repeat back, the sky is blue. Your dress is pretty, you know, my dress is pretty. So she would just repeat something like that. And when it came time for Mary Ann Bird to do the hearing test, she dreaded it because she couldn't hear out of one ear. And so she went up to the front of the desk just waiting to hear the laughter of, of all the children. And she, she stood and she cupped her, she actually cupped her ear, she didn't cover it, she cupped it so she could make sure she heard. And she said that Miss Leonard whispered words, she said that absolutely changed her life. And she whispered, I wish you were my little girl. 
She said those words changed everything. Because for the very first time, she realized that someone outside her family could love her. That someone outside of her family cared. She said it began to change her. And the taunts of her classmates still continued to come, but she realized they weren't the last word in her life that she was cared for. Mary Ann Bird grew up to be an outstanding teacher herself because someone cared. You know, I read when I read that story, and that's one of Joy's favorites. I remember thinking, you know, God has whispered to mankind. Actually, he's actually shouted to mankind. I wish you were my child. By sending his son to die on the cross and then raising him from the dead so that you could have a relationship, that's a God that cares. And a God that cares not just about humanity. He's a God that cares for you. Would you bow your head just for a moment? Please know when leaving, we'll be out of here in just a minute. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're watching online, I, I gotta ask a question. In your relationship with the Lord, are, are you at a place where you're saying, I, I don't know about my relationship with the Lord, I'm not sure about it, or I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord. Maybe, maybe you know I've never done that, but I want to do that. I, I want a God who cares for me in my life. Or maybe you're like I was. You had a relationship with the Lord and you, you got so far away from it. You're sitting out there today going, well, God, take me back when the answers are resounding. Yes. His message is still the same. He still wants you. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm asking you to acknowledge that by saying, Alan, that's me. I don't know where I stand with the Lord, but I want to be sure, or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me quickly? Just shoot your hand up real quick across this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Hands went up all over. Anybody else? Say, that's me. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and you thought you missed your chance and you wanted to, this is, a, this is a heart prayer. You can pray this from your heart. I encourage you to pray it out loud. If you're watching online, you're by yourself. Pray out loud with us. If you're, if you're with others, you can pray it quietly. If you're here, pray this prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Those heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those who prayed that prayer. Father, many have stepped out of spiritual darkness into, into light, spiritual light. Some have come back into the light, but we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you for a greater understanding of that you, you really do care for us. You're concerned. You have an interest. We are not invisible to you. What a wonderful thing. We rejoice in that. Thank you for strengthening us this week with that thought. In Jesus' name, amen.
We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.